So good morning again. Let's now turn to, to our passage of this morning. And I already gave you a hint while we are exploring this morning because it will be the same theme that we just spoke to the kids. It's about joy when we face trials. So we're going to kind of go deep in this passage for a few moments. So James chapter 1, verses 1 through to 4. And if you remember, like two weeks ago I was preaching, I was preaching in hope, of the Christian hope that we hope in God only, and our hope comes from God, and that hope leads to purification. And now we will kind of, as kind of a follow-up of the Christian hope, is why we rejoice over trials. So it has to do with the hope we have, the hope we hold, it leads us to rejoice over trials. So we're going to spend a few moments looking at the book of James, more specifically the first four verses. So let's read together James 1, 1 through to 4. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith, produce, of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Amen. So we're going to spend a few moments in those four first verses. But before going to our text itself, I will give you just a quick overview of the book of James. Just so we, we know more about the context and uh, when this book was written. So we, we will understand better the passage if we know the context where this book was written. And most scholars would agree that the book of James was the very first New Testament book to be written. So that's fun facts for you, just a curiosity there. So perhaps was the first New Testament book to be written something before the 49 AD. And it was written by James, the brother of Jesus. And this James was not a disciple of Christ before the crucifixion, right? However, when Jesus appeared to him after the resurrection, he firmly believed the gospel. And you can see this account in 1 Corinthians 15. So James went on to become a leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he was killed for his faith a few years after by an angry mob of scribes and Pharisees outside the temple. So James was known and revered even for his godliness and his devotion to prayer. And this letter is addressed especially to Jewish Christians, as we can see in the very first verse, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. But Gentile Christians were included as well, of course, because all of those who confess Jesus as Lord and Saviors, as they are members of God's people, right? So the audience here was dispersed. Probably, most likely, because of persecution, heavy persecution. But then, we are, we are two exiles, aren't we? Wandering on earth, waiting for Jesus' return and bring his kingdom in all its fullness. So, this book is also for us, be encouraged. In the book of James, it's sometimes called the Proverbs of the New Testament. And like the book, the book of Proverbs, the book of James deals with life and wisdom in a very practical way. 
and teaches us how to put into practice our faith, how to live out our faith. So if you want a book to start reading, just why not start reading James, a very practical book, but easy to read, very relevant for everything we live. So in living out our faith, we need to follow the approach of James. And James describes himself as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he calls himself in the very start. Servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is his duty, his calling to be a servant. And a servant, of course, my friends, obeys his master. So if we, like James, are servants of God and of the Lord Jesus, then we must be obedient to God's ways. A follower of Jesus must follow the way Jesus went. And in his letter here, James tells us how to be like Jesus, how to be a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in our text, text for this morning, James' overriding concern is to show us how to deal with various kinds of trials and afflictions as servants of God and of the Lord Jesus, whose faith is displayed in word and deed. So in other words, if you have real faith, if we have real faith, we will respond, we will show it by the way we respond to trials, right? So my first question for you this morning is, as a rhetoric question, don't need to shout by the way. What is the worst, most annoying sound you ever heard? You can imagine now. Most annoying sound you can ever hear. And for me, I think the screech of fingernails on a blackboard is top of my list. It gives me the, ooh, just thinking about it. There's plenty of other annoying sounds you can think about. For example, a, a screaming baby on a plane is not pleasant, especially if it's your baby shouting. Or at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's surprising how irritating the wee tiny sounds can be, like a drip of a tap or a clock. It drives me crazy when I'm sleeping. Or a barking of a dog at 2 a.m. can be very, very annoying. Another very annoying sound is that of like whining or complaining people. I'm sure we can all relate at one, like one time and another. People complaining and whining and, and no matter how many hints you give, these people just don't seem to catch that this never ending complaining. It's not the best way to respond to difficulties and trials and afflictions. And I can relate with this, as I said, I'm, I'm a complainer. I can complain, I can moan and I can get grumpy. But this is not the way that James teaches us to respond to trials and afflictions. Other people, when they face trials, they, they choose to quit. They give up. They throw in the towel. And they normally sink into depression. So that's the progression for this kind of character. Still other people respond with anger. 
they blow their temper, they get mad, they lash out, they swear and curse and yell and scream, they go crazy. And still other people pretend nothing is ever wrong. Nothing happened. Everything's always good and you will never hear otherwise. And these optimists are a bit unrealistic in their approach, isn't it? If there's something wrong, you will react. You don't pretend nothing's happening. But a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ has a complete different response to difficult and trials and afflictions. They respond with joy. They respond with joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials or various kinds. Count it all joy. And you know the word here in Greek that translated for county, counted, can also be translated as greet, right? So James then is instructing believers that when hard time comes visiting, they should be greeted with joy. It's very interesting. And what are the trials here that James has in mind? And James is talking first about persecution, of course, as I mentioned in the beginning. Heavy persecution. And it was very common in that day for Christians to be persecuted. Because Christians claimed Jesus as Savior and Lord. And the authorities would enter their homes and business and they would destroy and ransack everything you own. They would drag them off to prisons and in some cases even killing them. And trials like this can test your faith to the maximum, my friends. Can really test your faith. But James has other trials in mind too. Notice that he calls them trials of various kinds. And we, we give thanks to the Lord that we generally we don't face persecution in this country. But we, we do have trials, don't we? Especially in the last few weeks or months. Loads of trials. And I, I, can, I can think of many here, to be honest. I can think of family fights or quarrels and cancer, heart attack, a mental illness, bankruptcy, a prison term, addiction, divorce, a loved one passing away, or this never ending story of COVID-19. So, and uh, I won't lie, this list is exhaustive. Isn't it? It's absolutely exhaustive. And I'm, I'm more than sure that most of you can add some, some other items to this list. When I talk to people here in church, I see that every family or extended family has some kind of trial going on. So we can all relate with that. But James says here, count it all joy. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Please note that James here is not saying Christians should always be smiling and acting as if nothing is wrong. And I, English is not my first language, right? But I understand that there are two English expressions that tell us to act this way. And the expression are keep a stiff upper lip and keep your chin up. More in Scotland, keep your chin up. It's very prominent here. 
And I do understand why these expressions exist, because keeping a stiff upper lip can be hard to do. And that's why it became an expression. When someone gets upset, his or her lips might tremble. You know? And if you, keep, if you keep a stiff upper lip, you are trying to show you, you, that you are not upset, right? And keep your chin up has this similar meaning. When someone is sad or depressed, the person might drop his or her head. But a chin held high shows confidence and optimism. Show that nothing can touch you, right? But James is not telling us here to keep a stiff upper lip or to keep our chin up. He's not telling us to pretend nothing is wrong when we face trials of many kinds. James calls for a broader, deeper perspective that involves neither denial, nor moaning, nor quitting, nor anger. Counted all joy when you have your share of trials, says James. Let's be really honest here. Doesn't this sound weird? Sound crazy, perhaps? Doesn't this sound the very opposite of how sane, normal people should respond to trials? On the face of this statement, the Bible or this passage that does not sound true or realistic, does it? And not really. You know, we have no problems accepting most of the Bible, right? We agree when the Bible tells us that God created heaven and earth. Uh, we agree that the wages of sin is death. We know that sin brings misery. We have even no problem accepting the birth and the resurrections, the resurrection of Jesus. But we do have problems accepting the words of our text this morning. We do have problems like joy and trials. It doesn't make any sense. But James says, count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. In hearing this, your first reaction is probably like my first reaction. It's like, really? You, you got to be kidding. That's not how we do. And you know, some things are meant to come together. When you hear something, you know that like fish and chips, they are, they are built for each other. Bacon and eggs. I'm, I'm just trying my favorite breakfast here for you guys. Macaroni and cheese, they, they, are, they are made, they come together very easily. But then we look at trials and we look at joy and it just doesn't seem like those two things belong together at all. Our world thinks joy comes by avoiding trials, not by encountering trials. And we Christians, we often buy into this, more often than we realize. Because joy doesn't really come when you encounter a trial, does it? If the goal of our lives is ease, then trials are bad. If we are living to be comfortable and healthy and wealthy, then trials are really bad. 
But we, if the goal of our lives is something else, then trials are good. If we have the right kind of goals, then trials can bring joy. Or even better, trials will bring joy. So what we need to do here, we need to backtrack for a moment and take a look at the exact wording of our text. We are not told to rejoice because of our trials. We are told to rejoice, we are told to rejoice whenever we face trials. We are to rejoice in trials or during trials. And Paul says something similar to the church in Thessalonica. And he says, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We give thanks in and not for all circumstances. So in other words, there is something we can give thanks for in every situation of life. Count it all joy my brothers and sisters when you meet trials or various kinds and we know that the early Christians they offer us a great example to follow hard as it is to imagine they did rejoice in their times of beating and persecution the first time the apostles were beaten for example we read then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And then Paul and Silas sang songs while they were in jail in Philippi. Later Paul could actually say about himself, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Colossians 1.24 but you know, church, the apostles were thankful, not because of their split open backs and their pain of their beatings or prison or all hardships, but because they had been counted worthy of suffering for the Lord. They were rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for the Lord. And the apostles and early Christians, of course, they were following the ultimate example of Jesus. So listen what the book of Hebrews has to say. Hebrews 12 verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So church for Jesus, cross and joy went together. Shame and joy went together. Trials and joy went together. And they should go together for us too. They should go together for us too. Hard as it is, to understand or to believe. God expect us, expects us to find something to be thankful for in the midst of our difficult situation. 
He expects us to rejoice in our trials. And I have always loved the story of Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry is a 16th century theologian, but he, he has a story which is amazing. I always keep coming back. Every time I'm studying this passage, I come back to this quote here. And Matthew Henry, he, he was robbed while he was walking home in a dark street. And he did not rejoice because of the horrible event, but he still found something to rejoice about that night. So listen to what he wrote, and it's absolutely fascinating. So Matthew Henry said, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. It's just it's amazing. So that's the perspective we should take. That's the perspective we should approach life. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. And I said earlier on that if we have the right kinds of goals, then trials will bring joy, right? So what are the right kinds of goals then? What, when is it that trials bring joy? Trials bring joy, my friends, when they deepen our trust in God, in Christ. Trials bring joy when they build character. Trials bring joy when they bring change to our lives. Trials bring joy when God uses them to make us more like Christ. As we said two weeks ago, one day we shall see him. One day we shall be like him. So that's part of the process. Trials bring joy when they teach us discipline. Discipline. And James has this in mind when he says in verse 3 and verse 4, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Are you going through a hard time right now? I know that most of us are. So if you are going through a hard time now, maybe these words from a song called The Fire will help you. So listen to those words again. I've been through a fire that has deepened my desire to know the living God more and more. It hasn't been much fun, but the work that it has done in my life has been worth the hurt. You see, sometimes we need the hard times to bring us to our knees. Otherwise, we do as we please and never heed him. For he always knows what is best. And it's when we are distressed that we really come to know God as he is. 
That's wonderful. He always knows what is best for us, my dear friends. And when we are distressed, when we are facing the worst kind of trials, is when we come to know God as He is. God wants to change you. He wants to change me. God wants to sanctify you and me. But this kind of change is never easy. It's not easy, I'm telling you. It takes time, it takes a lot of effort, it takes trials, hardships, but ultimately it makes us perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. As is ultimately did with Job and Joseph, a wonderful example from the Old Testament. So don't let your response to trials be determined by how they first feel. Don't let your response to trials be determined by how awful the situation seems to be. Through trials, God is our work in us. God is our work in us, changing us, improving us. And God is working in us to His glory and praise. Just before I finish, I'll give you a last example. And it's a sports example. If you know me, and most of my examples will be sports related. But some professional teams around the world, they host their home games in a, in a dome roof stage, like a closed stage, right? But those teams, funnily enough, they're not very successful. And a, a climate-controlled stadium it protects the players from the misery of sleet, snow, mud, heat, whatever. Everyone's comfortable. But the athletes who brave these elements are disciplined to handle hardship. And apparently such rigors have something to do with the ability to win and to succeed. But you know, my friends, long before there was football or any kind of sports, the Christian's playbook declared the purpose of hardship. It builds Christ-like character. It builds Christ-like character. So for the last time, counted all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. This is true for you. Believe it. This is true for you, for me, for our church, for our congregation, for everyone who is a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, we will always face trials. And they will keep coming back until Jesus returns. But instead of panicking or getting in the state of self-pity or complaining like I do, don't do it. Let's take this opportunity. This trial, the trial they are living right now, 
to rejoice. To rejoice in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. To strengthen our faith. To go deep in our relationship with Christ. And to mature us Christians as we trust in Him. May God bless us all and help us to count, count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you because although the book was written over 2,000 years ago, it is so relevant for us today. We are all facing trials at the moment, Lord. We are all hurt. We are in deep sorrow, Lord. But we, we want to rejoice in you, Lord. We want to count our joy when you meet trials of various kinds, Lord. So help us to understand this reality, Lord. And help us to cling on you. Help us to get a deeper relationship with you as we face trials of various kinds. And we thank you for your presence among us. Thank you because you're always with us. Even when we cannot see you, we know that you are there, Lord. So thank you for your presence. Thank you for your hope. Thank you for the comfort you bring, Lord. And we pray all those things in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.